Great pleasure. Uh, it's uh, my great pleasure to introduce tonight's moderator, Ms. Lee Cataluna. Lee Cataluna is the Metro columnist for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, Hawaii's largest daily newspaper. Born and raised on Maui, she earned her MFA in creative writing from the University of California, Riverside. While her journalism career has spanned radio, television, and print, she is also an award-winning playwright and wrote the documentary film, Hurricane Iniki Through the Eyes of Kauai's People. Please give a warm welcome to Ms. Lee Cataluna. Thank you. That's not the intro I submitted. <laughs> so I'm just saying that because I get to introduce you folks. So who knows what I have? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Mr. Lawrence Downs, on the far end of the uh, stage. Lawrence Downs is a writer and journalist and was most recently a member of the editorial board of the New York Times, where he covered uh, politics, immigration, disability rights, veterans affairs, music and popular culture, and Hawaii issues, Mr. Lawrence Downs. <laughs> Jasmine Trias, a Las Vegas-based singer and performer, perhaps best known as a top three finalist on the third season of American Idol. Her debut album included a top 10 hit on the US Billboard chart and went platinum in the Philippines. Jasmine Trias. <laughs> Augie T. We all know his last name, but he's going by T. <laughs> so we can't find him on Facebook. No, we can. Uh, a comedian who performs in Hawaii and across the United States. He was named one of Pacific Business News 40 Under 40 and Funniest Comic in Hawaii by the Honolulu Star Bulletin wow. and Midweek. He has been awarded two Hawaii Music Awards and two Nahoku Hanuhano Awards. Augie T. Wow. And to my right, Kurt Osaki. He is a graphic designer, founder of Osaki Creative Group, which has designed logos for National Hockey League teams and such NFL teams as San Francisco 49ers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Baltimore Ravens, and the New York Jets. Osaki has worked on branding and design with leading national universities, including the University of Hawaii. Kurt Osaki. Okay, so the central question here is, do people from Hawaii have America's strongest identity? Who agrees with that? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay All right, done. who's going to go first? <laughs> Lawrence. Go. Um, yeah, so does, does Hawaii have America's strongest sense of identity? I think, speaking for myself, I think it's an obvious question, yes. Um, uh, you know, no offense to Delaware or North Dakota, but it, it occurs to me that, you know, even though there are places in this country, obviously, with strong uh, senses of self or who they are, you know, you can think of Texas or New York, I think only in Hawaii, because we're small enough, do we have pretty much everything in common. Like we can all share and understand the feelings of, like we know what it's like to, to wear a plumeria lei or to, to go swimming and to feel the water lift us up on the sand or we know Hawaiian words, you know, the gentle language of Hawaii. Um, we have our own gang sign, you know, that other people <laughs> cannot understand. You know, the, the New York Times, my former paper, when Obama was inaugurated and he was walking down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, um, he, the New York Times wrote, Mr. Obama looked out at his uh, friends from Punahou High School and he said, call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, every Hawaiian would know what that means. But um, so yeah. I think we all share something very special and, and I, would not, I would not argue with that proposition at all. Yeah, I, I completely agree as well. And just to continue on with what... Um, Lawrence said, um, I think people from Hawaii have such a special, unique connection. You know, whenever I travel, um, I've been to many places, you can always tell when someone's from Hawaii, <laughs> you know? Um, the slight pigeon accent might give it away, um, or maybe they're wearing slippers, but you can always tell. But I feel like um, we share this pride of Hawaii, and um, I feel like it's almost like we share um, a special connection and that we're part of like this uh, exclusive club, you know? And I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of us 
have, you know, sharing that pride. It's, it's almost um, like an unspoken thing that we can't really explain, um, that only we can understand. And I just feel like of all the places I've traveled to that Hawaii is so unique. And I, I didn't really appreciate Hawaii until I left. Um, and when I was on American Idol, everyone would always ask me, oh, you know, where are you from? And they'd say, I, I'd say, I'm from Hawaii. And they'd be like, oh, that's so cool. You know, and I'd be like, okay, it's just Hawaii. <laughs> you know, because when I, you know, when you're born and raised here, um, that's all you know. And I was 16 at the time. So um, when you grow up in paradise, paradise is normal. And so I didn't really appreciate being from Hawaii and having that strong sense of a Hawaii identity until I left. And um, I just feel very lucky and grateful to be part of this Hawaii special club, you know? Yeah. No, the gang sign is powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I get off the plane anywhere in Hawaii, what, anywhere outside of Hawaii, I, you know, like in Arizona. So you drive to downtown Arizona. All you have to do is look for the Aloha stickers, you know, or the Kukui nut. On the you know rear view mirror, you just pull up next to the car. You just do this, <laughs> <laughs> and you get that back. It's like connection. Right, exactly. Back. You know, it could be like I was in uh, uh, Evansville, Indiana. My father-in-law lives in Evansville, Indiana. I'm in a grocery store, right? And you just kind of know where that's another local person. You know, you, you're looking at him in the aisle. He's looking at you. You're doing that. You know that. Man. <laughs> But I noticed that this guy was following me around for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> then he went, hey, you all get yeah. <laughs> and it was like automatic. It gets so much people here from Hawaii. Really, in Evansville. Yeah, because kids go to uh, Notre Dame and Purdue. I'm like, oh. So like automatic, like for me, I was telling Lita, like 15, 15 years ago, I knew like if I just found out where all the local people were on the mainland, I have an exclusive audience for myself. <laughs> and that's what I did. I went to Oha. I found out where they live. Where's the pockets? Where are the pockets? And for me, I get 200 people sitting in an audience. That's a good weekend for Augie. <laughs> and I don't have to try to speak good English. Oh, even better. Because they like hit a pigeon. They miss home so much. And I have so much crazy stories in the last 15 years. So when I was asked to do this, I was like, Oh yeah, you got, you got the right person because <laughs> so much fun, you know, so much, I, you know, we, we identify so much. Uh, it's just pretty, pretty amazing that you can go in any remote place and you can find one local person and it's, automatic, it's an automatic connection. This oh, gang yeah. sign is powerful. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard following you all night, right? <laughs> But I, you know, I, I agree with what Augie and Jasmine said about being, traveling, being away from home. Um, I left home, you know, right after um, University of Hawaii and went to school in Northern, uh, Southern California. And you don't really appreciate home, I think, until you're gone and you appreciate what you have here. And um, one of the things that really, you know, I, I think educated me about the whole process of, and appreciation of Hawaii was when I traveled a lot. You know, um, nothing against all the other states because I think that's what makes the United States so great is this mixture and the different cultures. But something about Hawaii is special. Whenever I travel and people ask me, where are you from? You know, I seldom say I'm from the United States, but I say always when I say Hawaii, there's something about Hawaii that stands out to people and lights people's faces up. Something about something special about that. When I moved to the Bay Area, one one thing that I really recognized, you know, there's all the universities there, all the great universities, and we got involved with a lot of the students. And I made a lot of good friends. But what other state has like a Hawaii, like a Texas club or a California club, right? Every university had a Hawaii club. We made it real special. They had a luau. You're not going to find that in any, for any other state. You got a Hawaii club. And it's not only people from Hawaii that are joining these clubs, people that want to be a part of this special culture mm -hmm. and people that appreciate that. Okay, so we've talked about kind of two things. I wanted to separate out um, the way people from Hawaii gravitate toward each other, but also the way people who aren't from Hawaii 
gravitate toward Hawaii people on the mainland. What is that like for you, Lawrence? I mean, do you feel like, like every story that came through the New York Times that had Hawaii on it, did it, did it go to you? Uh, Was it from you? Often <laughs> did what <it> I did, <laughs> when I worked at the, the Times editorial page, um, we often were given free reign of what we could write um, on our own. And so what interested me a lot of times, in addition to my regular job, which was a lot of immigration and politics, um, I wanted to keep in touch with what was going on in Hawaii. And, and because people on the mainland are interested as well, it, it's possible to pitch that to an editor and they'll want to run it. You know, I can imagine if I were from Delaware and I said, hey, there's this thing going on in Wilmington, Delaware, and the New York Times editor would say, no, thank you. <laughs> Um, but if I could say, you know, there's this telescope on Mauna Kea, it's this huge problem, we've got to talk about this, and they say, that's great, or, you know, or, or obituaries. I've, I've written a couple of, of, of obits for people like, um, you know, Auntie Irmgard Luli, you know, who, not terribly well known outside the state, but when you, when you think about what she did and what she contributed and how so many people understand, you know, who she was and loved her music, then you can, you can sell that. There's, a, there's an inherent interest. So I think... Yeah, these people are fascinated, um, you know, ever since Mark Twain. He started it all in 1866, he came here. His whole career as a writer started when he was a newspaper reporter in San Francisco. He spent a few months here. He went everywhere. He went to Kilauea, he went to um, uh, the Big Island, Oahu. He rode a horse, he tried surfing. Um, he wiped out, he, he wrote about that, and, and he was just obsessed with Hawaii, and ever since, um, he, he couldn't stop t thinking about it and talking about it, and I think we have that effect um, all over the world. Well, for both Jasmine and Augie, um, who comes to your shows? I mean, does this kind of stickiness about, you know, with, with people from Hawaii, does that limit who comes to see your shows on the mainland? Do people who aren't from Hawaii, like, um, get the courage to go to something that, like, you know, might seem... Well, um, when I was, you know, I'm based in Vegas now, and um, I've traveled um, to many places, but um, I feel like, yeah, you're, you're right. A lot of, if, if um, Hawaii people know you're there, then they'll, they'll come. Will they, so, bring your, will they bring their friends, though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then you have a packed house, and it's great. Um, but when I was performing in Vegas, when I had a residency there, um, I mean, there were so... Vegas is considered like the ninth island, you know? And so there's so many people that come out to support, um, especially if you have a show in downtown Vegas that's like Hawaii. <laughs> so whenever I miss home, I just, you know, hop on over to, to downtown Vegas at the Cal. They should call that hotel the Hawaii. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can have Zippy's Chill Soup. Um, and if you just want to, you know, feel like you're home because there's so, so many people from Hawaii there just to hear the pigeon accent and to just to feel the local energy and to feel the aloha spirit really. I think that's what maybe um, gravitates, um, you know, what, what, what makes people gravitate towards us. I think we have that, you know, Hawaii charm, the aloha spirit. We wear our hearts on our sleeves and I think that's an important part of our, our identity. You know what I like the best? I like when they bring their friends because they go, oh, I like just see if they understand anything you're saying. Like, yeah. Because for me, it's always a challenge. I love, you know, because, you know, growing up in public school, you know, one thing that I love about doing comedy is that it's that one place where I get to be me. Nobody telling me how I got to say things. No one can tell me how to interpret what I like, you know, interpret. And... I like the challenge, you know, I like the challenge because you can turn on Comedy Central and see, you know, any other comedian that kind of looks the same, has the same, you know, uh, essence, the same, they have the same style, but only in Hawaii, unique, right? right. We, we, we have our own words, you know, we have our own stories that's very ethnically diverse, you know, we all know the stereotypes, and if I don't do a stereotype, you know, if I don't do an ethnic joke in a comedy show, People almost get offended if they, you know, like, hey, how come you never talk about the Portuguese? How come you never talk about... They're bringing their friends because they want their friends to hear that. Because we're the only place to go, ha, that's funny. We don't look at it as being racist. We look at it as like, oh, God, that's funny. You know, and I like that challenge. I like... My friends came. They're laughing, even though they never understand anything you said. I go, yeah! I won! I won! 
Because, you know, I think we bring a uniqueness. You know, I'm thinking when I'm on stage, I don't really care if they understand or not. I'm having a good time. And if Augie's having a good time, you're going to have a good time. You know what I'm talking about? And I think, you know, and, and, and writing, writing about or just, you know, having observation of a very diverse, I have a very diverse family. So, like, talk, I find out that the rednecks in Georgia, it's like my uncle's down in Waianae, same thing. <laughs> they make shishi the same place as their dog makes shishi. That's funny. You know, they, we, everybody has gay relatives. I have gay, gay sons that laugh at that. So, yeah, we might not, you know, totally connect, but we have stories that connect. You know what I mean? And they can, you know, they can... They can see something that's unique, something that's very cultural, funny, and go, wow, I saw something different. And I hope if, when they walk away, they go, wow, I appreciate what he did. Yeah, maybe I never, but I appreciate what he did because I saw something that's funny. And then for the locals that's there, we almost feel like we own, hey, this is, uh, this is ours. You know, this is ours. So you two that no figure things out, good for you. Because it's our <laughs> turn. And that's what's cool. I, you know, I, I just got back from, I did a show in Guam. I did a show in Guam and Saipan. And there's local people that stationed in Guam and Saipan. And they come out in droves. And they bring their, you know, they bring their friends from the island. They don't understand anything. But it almost feels like for that one hour and 30 minutes that I'm on stage, Hawaii is there and we own the place. We own the place. And it's such a good feeling, you know. When they walk out, they go, man, I go buy you DVD. And I, you know, yeah, good. You can learn more. <laughs> You know what, Aki? Um, maybe I'll move my lips and you just talk for yeah. me. No. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? I have a question. Be luck, man. Yeah. Kurt, I had a, a specific question for you oh. about about branding, about branding, branding. About you know, there there is this image outside of Hawaii of what Hawaii is, yes. and then there's sort of this shared image that uh, people who are from here understand in a different way. So what is, what is Hawaii's brand? Let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, talking, I mean. Hawaii's, you know, Hawaii's brand revolves around our culture, aloha. You know, the aloha spirit, right? I mean, um, and again, I, I'm going to um, relate to my stories when I was living in California a lot more because I think, uh, you know, you felt more of, at times, you know, um, there were people, you know, I, I think um, that was more Hawaii and had more aloha than me. And I felt embarrassed. You know, my friends from, that were not from Hawaii would come out, they wear aloha shirts. I don't wear aloha shirts that often. <laughs> they listen to Hawaiian music, they did everything. But they, they actually embraced the culture at times a lot more than me, and I'm ashamed of that a lot of times because I took it for granted, you know. But I, I think the whole learning experience was a great teaching experience too. You know about taking off your slipper. You know about bringing food to a party. You know, I used to always educate my friends. I'm not educated, but I used to always tell my friends, it's not about, they're not rude because they're wearing their slippers in their homes. It's because that's how they grew up, wore slippers. They don't have red dirt like us, right? <laughs> um, bringing food to parties. You know, it, it's not about they're rude because they're not bringing food to a party. It's because the culture is, when I invite you up in the mainland, it's like when I invite you over for dinner, I want you to enjoy my dinner. I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to serve you drinks. But in Hawaii, it's all about the potluck, right? Yeah. Bringing everything together and sharing. So people misinterpret that. So I think it's about just understanding cultures, you know, and understanding. And I, I, I think that's what is really important, and that's why brand of Hawaii is so important. I think that word aloha just brings everyone together and teaches people different lessons. Lee, okay, so could I, could I ask a question that, that yeah. it struck me based on what we were talking about just now? Um, I think about this a lot because I've lived away from Hawaii for a long time. I, I moved away to college in 82. Um, so I, it's like I often feel like my Kamaina card expired a long time ago. <laughs> my mother and my siblings are still in Kailua. I come back every year. I, I just came back for a big birthday, family birthday last week. Um, but a lot of the things we talk about as common that we share seem to me to come from a specific place and time, from plantation culture, 
where uh, the, the idea that we, we know all these various ethnicities because we're all intermarried and, and our grandparents came from Okinawa or the Philippines or whatever, and we all were roughly equal, you know, with like maybe the Howleys over here, but um, we, we, we intermarried, we understood each other, and, and these traditions of shoes off and food at the party are some things we all share. When I go away, I don't know that I understand Hawaii so much anymore, and now we have, you know, the plantation camps are now homeless camps, and mm. there's a culture rising over there in, in, in that world of Hawaii, which is, which, is, which is very large. I don't understand it because I'm not part of it all. Then there's Mark Zuckerberg, you know, it, it's like there's a stratification and then people are going to Vegas and they're, they're, they're you know, the, the, the thing that bound us all isn't really there anymore and, and how does that survive as we go forward? Like, can you still do ethnic humor? Oh, of course. And it works, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying and I, I can see, you know, pigeons slowly you know, dying off and that's why people yeah. get so fascinated by watching YouTube videos of somebody speaking pigeon or teaching yeah. you how to, uh, but it's still there and I think, you know, when I, when I went out and I did the task of like finding out where all the local people live, because I think they still want to be connected to home. They like hear. They want to hear that. Right. You know, it's something that's so unique to our culture. You know that that uh, it, it's for me always fascinating. Because no matter where I go, you know, I don't even try to change my act because I yeah. think that's what they like here. You know what I mean? And uh, it's funny because you know I did. I told Jenny when we were talking about this. I did Boston University, right? So I'm like, who who who's in Boston? And they're going to hire me to do And you know, then Boston's Hawaiian club is Harvard, MIT, UMass. So I walk in, and there's 400 local students. <laughs> yeah, Japanese boys doing the haka. <laughs> they would never do the haka here because they're going to get teased, but they're <laughs> Poor guys, they're all red. They're all red. Their chest. They're doing a someone slap dance. I'm going, this is beautiful. Because I honestly believe, as you know, no, no matter how how challenging it gets, we still have this uniqueness, and yeah. you know, and and you know, hopefully the internet will keep it alive, you know, and you know, and uh, we still have great stories to tell. I think this as long as there's this function, in my case, there's always going to be humor, <laughs> you know, because I have a very dysfunctional family that, like I said, that resonate that can. You know, you have a crazy uncle. Somebody else got a crazy uncle. Connect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important that we embrace and preserve. I mean, you know, the world is moving so fast right now. Everyone wants to be bigger, better, faster, richer, whatever it is, right? And I think we have something so special here in Hawaii that we should... We, we have embraced and we should embrace it even more and preserve, I think, and promote. It's something very special here in Hawaii and I, I think we can share that even more to the world. But a lot of times we get caught up in how can we make more money, how can we get a bigger home, a faster car, nicer car, whatever it is, right? And we get caught up in that. I always hear um, people say, oh, I want to be like the company in California or in Silicon Valley. You know, why not be a company here in Hawaii, who we are, and create that brand around that? Because that is very special. Yeah. I mean, from my personal experience, um, you know, when I was on American Idol, um, just being on the mainland, I, I realized, wow, Hawaii is, is different. It's not like the mainland at all. You know, I thought everywhere was gonna be like Hawaii. So even more so, I wanted to um, represent Hawaii and show off Hawaii and share the aloha spirit. Um, it meant more to me then and even now, um, I'm still always trying to represent Hawaii and even though I don't live in Hawaii anymore, I still want to spread that aloha spirit and hold on to that um, sense of Hawaii. I Density because it's important. I think, you know, as we said, we share such a strong, special connection. And, um, you know, it's a shame to, to lose that. Even though you move away from home, I still feel like, you know, for me anyway, um, 
I'm going to hold on to that and I'm going to share that with everyone that I meet because that's what um, I was raised to do and that's what kind of Hawaii made me, you know, even though I've traveled to so many places. I feel like Hawaii is such a huge part of my identity and I don't ever want to lose that. You see the Portuguese me, I like talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm so optimistic that I think in the next 10, 20 years, going to get on President Kalani. <laughs> no, no, and I tell you why. I tell you why. People come to Hawaii, right? They fall in love. And I did this like in one of my comedy routines. They come to Hawaii, they see the mountains, they go, oh my God, look at. They name the kids. This is my daughter, Holly Akala. <laughs> we, hey, we don't go to Vegas. We love Vegas, right? But we don't go and go, hey, it's my son, Bellagio. No way we're going to do that. But people come here and they go, oh, let's, I love this place. Let's, you watch. In 20 years, Lawrence, President Kalani, he's not going to even look like us, but he's going to be President Kalani because their parents came over here and, you know, enjoyed the beautiful weather. And, oh, Kalani. So, about why, I mean, obviously we all have so much love for this place. Besides the obvious reasons for opportunity, why, why so many move away? Why are those pockets of Hawaiians all over? That's the sad Looking thing. at you, because yeah. you've been gone a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's really sad. And we were talking earlier, um, before this, the, the, the event started, about this article I wrote in, in the early 2000s. For, one of the first articles I wrote for the New York Times was about the Hawaiian community in Vegas. And I went out there. Uh, went to the Cal, talked to folks, and um, it was really sad. And, and I don't mean to, um, you know, have too much like like pity or condescension to folks who live in Vegas, because you gotta you, you gotta move where you can have a quality of life and a house, and you don't um, you need to make it somehow. And, and Hawaii, as we all know, has you know you can't afford to live here. Then the the the, the opportunities are limited. But um, the, 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 the first person I wrote about, the lead of my article, was, was, I thought, the most poignant part of it. It was a guy who um, had been a lifeguard and a surfer in Hawaii, and he worked the pool at this um, hotel. I forget the name of it. One of these fancy, like, Bellagio-type hotels. And it had a wave pool, a big, long wave pool that, during the day, was super crowded, all the tourist people bobbing up and down. But he would get there early, like at 5 in the morning, and open it up and turn it on. And before anybody came in, when it was super calm, he flipped the switch and there'd be like this wave. And he figured he could, he could ride it from one corner of the pool to the other corner and get maybe like 3.5 seconds of, of a really nice curl. He'd do that a couple of times, feel better, turn it off, and then start his day. And um, the idea that you have this population of people who are leaving paradise and going into the desert, the, the Bible has it the other way around. <laughs> And um, they're making, you know, really valiant efforts to keep what they have alive and to keep mm -hmm. the, the, the food and the unity and the culture and the, you know, my Damien class of 80, 82 reunion was in Vegas because that's the reason why so people would go there. Um, but it's, I don't know, I, 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 you could have a whole panel on how to solve that problem, but, but I think we're showing um, at least a lot of, you know, cohesion and, and, and community togetherness when we form these communities out there, you know? I mean, it's similar, to, I guess the Okies leave Oklahoma and go to California, and then, you know, they do that for a while. Um, they're forced out, but, but it says something about Hawaii that you, when you do that, like you said, clubs emerge and halaus emerge and people stick together because they have this common identity that they can share. I was telling Jasmine, I, you know, we'd never met before, but if she and I met on a subway platform in New York and we realized maybe from the plumeria in her hair that we were you know, both from Hawaii, we could talk for an hour or two hours or however long. There would be a lot to talk about. There would probably be relatives we shared or friends we shared. Yeah. And, and that's a special thing. And, and I don't mean to be too much of a downer, but I worry about that as we, um, as this uh, housing situation and, and the environmental situation just gets worse. Um, maybe, I, I'm just hoping it's not like this moment that we had for a while that we, that we might be in danger of losing. Okay. Yeah. I, w I was actually talking to the university about this, and you guys um, know in the paper recently that was talking about the enrollment going down at the university. I think it starts at the university. I mean, I talk to all my niece, nephews, where they're going to school, Oregon, 
Willamette, you know, um, Cal, and all these different schools. And I asked them, why didn't I go into the University of Hawaii? You know, a lot has to do, people say, with Marcus Maroto, right? He won, uh, you know, he sort of gave, you know, peop, uh, kids this idea that they can go away and become successful. Um, but I think it starts from there at college. You know, a lot of kids right now are going away. I went away after the University of Hawaii graduating, and I thought I was going to stay up there for three years, and I stayed up 20-something years. You know, and then it turns into the economics, you know, the, um, you know, living opportunities, whatever it is, you know. But I, I, I think it's such from really the colleges and the kids going away and um, experiencing something different. And it's now it's so easy to come back and forth, right? right. Travel. So I, I, don't, I don't know really what the answer is. You know, I, I think you got to get old like me to realize and appreciate and come back. Yeah. You know, and I appreciate things that you miss. Um, but um, I, I still think there's a lot to come back to. I, I tell kids that are in the mainland are deciding, or even my friends that are deciding if they want to come back, I said, you know, home is, you know, home's always going to be there. But, you know, you remember the things that are important to you, your family, your friends. You want to miss out on those opportunities and those experiences. And I think that's what really draw people back. No, it is, it is sad. No, yeah. I, um, you know, as an entertainer, you always got to find, you know, you got to work, do yeah. gigs. Uh, for me, it's sad when you got to go away yeah. to make money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's like anything else, right? Like it's cool. So like a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, I was performing in Gardena. It's like Waipahu. <laughs> <laughs> but like two blocks away, Anohea was performing. A mile and a half away, Ekolu, and all the shows were sold out. Yeah. You know, and you come home, you're lucky maybe you're doing 50, 60 seats if you did a show here. You know, it's because people don't just get the money to just throw it on and take their family, you know, for, to make enough money. You know, I got to do 200 seats, $20 a seat, you bring in your kids. It's kind of expensive, especially knowing that, you know, we live in paycheck to paycheck. We all see the newspapers, you know, they're building homes that we cannot afford. We're just making, the middle class is just making it. We're not spending the money. I bet you we like, you know, I'd love to take my kids out, go watch a show, go laugh, but cannot. You go to the mainland, super affordable, guys coming out in droves, they want to watch. Hawaiian entertainers got to go to Japan just to make money, to sing. So, you know, I don't, no more answers, but I, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, right now it's, you know, it's, you got to fight for me, fight to stay in business and that's going away yeah. because that's where you can make money. And honestly, man, they appreciate the miss home. You know, I wish it was, it's still, it's still fun for me here and I still get, I still get audience come and I'm totally 26 years, they're still coming. So I'm very grateful, but it's sad that I got to go away. You know, yeah. it's sad it's got to go away just to make ends meet. Yeah. And it's because get more opportunity, yeah. cheaper. Yeah. Is Hawaii more dear when you miss it than when you're in it? That's every oh, yeah. Hawaiian song that's ever been written. <laughs> <laughs> My brother wrote two of those songs, you know, Far Too Wide For Me and Flying, it, and then Honolulu City Lights, Did right? Did you catch this? Ah, like, Far Too Wide For Me Oh, I dropped flying. the name, sorry. <laughs> um, but but there's the, the power of that emotion of being so connected to a place and then being forced or, or choosing by circumstance, college or job or whatever to leave and knowing what you're missing, that's a strong, powerful song. And yeah. There's a reason it's been written, I don't know how many times, <laughs> but we could do all night singing those songs, right? Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, I, it took me a while to finally actually leave. Um, I was so, you know, I, I didn't want to go. I said, you know, I could, just, I could just travel, you know, back and forth. But when all the opportunities are in L.A. or, you know, in New York or in Las Vegas, then, you know, how can you make that work? You know, you can only do so much. So I had to just dive right in and had to move out. It, it, it was really sad. So, um, but, you know, as, as, as everyone has been saying, you know, you just kind of, especially for me as an entertainer, um, I travel so much for shows. I, I, I go wherever the work takes me. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm making a living doing this. So it's, it's part of what I do. Um, but I always make it a point to try and, 
um, visit home as much as I possibly can at least once a year. And sometimes I'll, I'll get booked for shows here, which is great. And, and like, like this, for example, an, another excuse to be home, I'll take it, you know? So I'm just so happy to be in Hawaii whenever I can. Kurt, I wanted to ask what it was like to move home after being gone for so many years. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that you were homesick a little bit during those years. But when you come home, it's different, right? Home has changed while you were gone. Yeah, yeah I mean, that pertains more to the early part when I was going to school and just studying work. Um, you know, for, I was lucky because um, my wife, girlfriend at the time, was working for Aloha Airlines. <laughs> Fly into Oakland. So I, could, I was literally flying in the morning and coming back the next day. You know, and um, so I, I was lucky. I could come back, I could eat, I could see my friends, see my clients. Um, so it's a little bit easier transition, but before that, it was hard. You always wanted to come back, but you couldn't afford to come back because you're going to school or you're just starting working, work and that whole experience. I, I, I think when I, I really felt a little bit, and Lawrence, um, you're from New York, you're living in New York now, right? Um, I, when I flew to New York and started working out in New York, that's when I even, you know, took me to this different dimension in terms of missing and appreciating Hawaii. Um, but, you know, I learned so much when I was out there, you know, about um, how special the place we live here is, um, how special our culture is and how the people is even more. And nothing saying anything against New York because I had a great time in New York in my whole experience. But, you know, one of my, I, I, I think I told you, so, but, um, one of my greatest compliments came out when I was working at the NFL up in New York. And, um, and I really truly attribute this to being brought up in this culture and family and um, even the Aloha spirit. But um, I was working on a project, long story short, I was working on a project and finally after years of working there as a consultant, I was offered a job at the NFL. And I remember asking the VP, I said, why, why are you giving me this job? There's so many other more talented people in here in, as consultants. And he gave me one of the best compliments, I feel like, in my professional career. He said, I've never seen someone bring so many people together. And I really immediately thought about Hawaii. Because it's about our culture, about bringing people together. And I declined it. My parents thought I was crazy. But, um, <laughs> but I declined it because of missing Hawaii. I wanted to be closer to Hawaii so I could live in the Bay Area and still go back and forth to Hawaii. But that was the greatest experience at the end of, you know, I was there for me about eight years straight. And um, whenever I walked in every morning, and it's a big office, a whole room, um, floor, the NFL properties. And I walked down there morning, I'd say, aloha, aloha, aloha. And then after a while, after so many times I was there, people would start yelling aloha from their cubicles all over the place. Wow. When I walk in every single morning, it was amazing. But it, it just brought this sort of comfort and brought people together, I think. And just that little aloha spirit, you know, yeah. was, it was very, very special. But I, I think I made the right decision. I'm, I'm back here and I'm <laughs> very happy and I get to travel a lot, so. Is there a downside to this connection? I mean, is it like clickishness? I mean, if you're only going to hang out with other people from Hawaii, but you're living in some far-flung place, you know, are you getting to know other people? I mean, this is, this is where I'm asking this question from. The warning, do not go to college and join the Hawaii club, <laughs> right? This is a warning. Go meet some other people who can take you to their house for Thanksgiving, because it's too far to fly home just for the weekend, right? So is it, is it limiting? No. Okay, next I, question. I, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that's your family, right? Your right. ohana, you gotta exactly. keep your ohana there together. But yeah. yeah, you should venture out. You should include other people. Maybe grab them and bring them in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we call them, we, in, actually, in Amelia, we call them wannabes, right? But um, <laughs> it's, it's a real nice phrase for our friends, we call them. But, you, we invite them in. We share that. I, I think it's part of you know the group. Yeah. But I think it's I important agree. that whole group and together. Yeah. So in, in New York, every year there's been this tradition of having a, a Hawaii picnic for everybody from the area. 
uh, in the Sheep Meadow in Central Park, which is this lovely green meadow in the middle of the most beautiful part of Manhattan. And I learned about it soon after I got to uh, Fordham College, Fordham University in the Bronx in 82. So after my first winter there, my first year, you know, first snow, first autumn, first dead body in a car trunk, it was just really <laughs> sorry. New York was pretty bad in the early 80s. So to come in the springtime and to see the big Hawaiian flag on the rock in, in, in Central Park was great, right? And so the first couple years we would go, my friend, I, I had a, a, a Hawaii friend there from Puno, we would go. Um, and they would put, you know, Casimero songs on the cassette player and we would have potluck Hawaiian food. Um, but there was this thing that happened, it got bigger. And then these middle-aged families from New Jersey would come and then they'd come and then they would say, oh, let's all do the Hukilau song, right? And then, and then, then I was thinking, maybe not. No, thank you. <laughs> right? Kids named Haleakala. Right. <laughs> and, and so there's that thing where you've, you've chosen your mainland adventure and you've, you're setting out to discover yourself and you're changing and you're learning you're doing that. And you don't want to like cling to it like an, like an opihi or something, right? Um, and now I've realized that I'm that person <laughs> from Long Island coming to the party and thinking that I'm all local because I, I was there, you know, 30 years ago and I went to Damien, you know, very... I worry sometimes that my, my credentials are kind of expired, right? You guys get all kinds of problems. Me, I just drive to Hawaii Kai. That's, that's my long-distance drive right there. Okay. Hawaii connection on the mainland stories. You got one? Oddest. Yeah, Oddest. Like just funniest or like, what? I can't believe I went to school with your sister and here we are in... Anybody? Lawrence has one again. I don't know, no. I, it's hmm. not a lot of Hawaiians where I live. You know, I have my proudest. Okay. Probably. Um, and, you know, I know the Daniel K. Inouye um, um, Institute is sponsoring this too, but honestly, um, back in 2000, I was very involved with the Japanese community in San Francisco. And um, uh, I remember we had this thing called Nikkei 2000. They were trying to find identity for Japanese Americans and, and find their identity. And we were at this conference, and that's when we started our organization called, it's weird, the Hawaii Chamber of Commerce of Northern California. It's still going today. It's amazing. See the power of Hawaii. It's still going today and stronger than ever. But we just started that first year, and I remember the senator coming up to San Francisco, and he asked if he could meet with us. I mean, I think I was, I was a lot younger, and um, he took the time and met with us for one hour in this room, just talk, talking story. First time I ever met him. Amazing. You know, it was just amazing. And, but when we went to this banquet, it had about maybe 800 people in there. And majority of them was, you know, um, Japanese Americans from California, Northern California. Um, I didn't really know the power of the senator in Hawaii until this moment when he came in and he made his speech and honestly, you could hear a pin drop within this entire room, the power of him. When he ended, the entire room stood up and did a standing ovation for I don't know how long, but you felt this common you know, thread of um, being proud of, um, you know, and it, that was probably my most proudest moment of being from Hawaii. And this was after at least 10 years of living up there. But that moment really, really, I, I think stuck with me to, the, to this day. Wow. We have like five more minutes before we're going to take questions. I have, another, I have a senator story okay. too. So <laughs> um, I, when I was at the New York Times editorial page, we had our first visit from Senator Obama. So he was running. And a lot of times when politicians run for national office, they make the New York Times editorial board their stop because they want to meet and maybe get some good press. So it was big. It was really crowded. He'd given his speech, so he was becoming this big celebrity, right? And so I said, I have a connection with this guy. Uh, we have the meeting and everyone, the crowd's breaking up, so I kind of worked my way by the door where he's leaving. And I say, you know, Mr. Obama, so good to meet you. Um, I'm from Hawaii too. And he, uh, he asked the first question 
that any Hawaiian asks when he meets another Hawaiian. In high school. Which is what school did you go to? Right? <laughs> I knew what school he went to. And I said, uh, Damien? And he had that look, you know, that Punahou look, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Damien. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and he was gone, and I thought, what a jerk, you know? Like, what a jerk. So, but... We, but we would know that would happen. You just knew. Right. And you'd say, Damien, wow, Damien, Kalihi, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. We now have some time to take questions from all of you. There are two of us going around with microphones. Please raise your hand and we'll come to you. If you could please say your first and last name before asking your question, we would greatly appreciate it. As this session is being recorded and we published on our website, whatitmeanstobeamerican.org. Actually, and I'll start it off with a question. So this is a what it means to be American event. Um, can we go down the line and kind of get an answer from the panelists and moderator on what it means to be American to you? Start with Lawrence. Um, what is this for? Is oh, for this you. For this from me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to, th I, I think I used, I used to think I knew that before this past year or, or six months. It's really hard. But, you know, like a sense of a shared uh, common ideals about, you know, pride in, 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 a, in a country that, that respects, you know, freedom and the rule of law and democracy and respects the rights of others and makes really awful mistakes over the years with, um, African Americans and Native Americans and Americans of Japanese ancestry, but for whatever reason, as, as flawed and awful as we are, we fix it somehow and we try to move forward. Um, and I had this thought, you know, immigration was my big beat at the New York Times for many years, and I thought we were going to get there and get better. Um, and now we're in this really, this trough right now, and things are looking pretty bad. But I guess I would think to be an American is to be optimistic that we'll fix it and we'll figure it out and we'll We'll, we'll set ourselves straight again. I hope, you know, um, we can only pray. Um, I mean, for me, um, the American dream means opportunity. Um, you know, for the longest time, um, when I was a little kid, I would always dream of becoming a famous singer, and I would always think that would be so cool, but maybe no one would pay attention to me because I'm from Hawaii and, you know, you know, I'm in, in this small island, you know, in the Pacific, because um, it's so isolated from the rest of the, of the U.S. So I thought, you oh, I don't think that would ever happen. But when American Idol came to Hawaii for auditions, American Idol, you know, American Dream, um, I was like, this is my opportunity. This is going to be great. Um, so I auditioned, and um, I just couldn't believe that I kept making every round and um, you know my family has just been so supportive and then I I just realized wow this is really happening well maybe I could become a famous singer one day um, and you know here I am I'm this is my dream I'm living my dream and you know I couldn't have done it without the support of my family the support of Hawaii um, the support of all the Hawaii communities all over the U.S. Um, it's just been an amazing ride. And for me, that's what it means to be an American. It's, it's the opportunity to, to live the life you want and to, to not be limited. Yeah, you yeah. could have become governor. You had more votes on American <laughs> Idol than people voting in the elections. People lost oh, their minds in Hawaii. Oh, my God. Jasmine Trias. I couldn't believe all the voting yeah, parties yeah, that were going on. more people voting for you than president. Oh, you know, wow. it's like, <laughs> like... My family was like, 100 times. No, Freddie, she won. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> you know, for me, it's being, you know, being thankful. My, my grandpa uh, came from the Philippines when he was 15 years old to work. You know, and he gave us the opportunity to thrive. So I'm thankful that my grandma... My grandpa came. My grandpa, my grandma, and grandpa came from Portugal. Came here to work on a plantation, mm -hmm. so that you know my dad would give us the opportunity, you know, for thrive. I get. I I'm living an American dream, a freedom of speech. I can go on stage, 
and say whatever I like. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. I don't care if you don't like me. I go to bed. I sleep well because I got to just spill out whatever I want. And it's beautiful. I can, you know, I, and for me, it's therapy. For a lot of people, it's therapy. Laughter, you know, is healing. And, you know, I, 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 I'm getting paid to make people laugh. You know how crazy that is sometimes? I'm sitting, I'm seeing people line up. <laughs> These guys watching me tonight tell me, you know, he may say dumb stories and I'm getting paid. How cool is that? <laughs> you know, and, and only in America we can thrive and do that. And I'm very thankful for my grandparents, you know, for making that, taking that, that bold risk to leave the Philippines at 15, 16 years old to come to Hawaii to work. So I'm very thankful for the opportunity, you know, and, and I'm just grateful. Yeah. Grateful that, you know, we live in America that gives us this opportunity, so... I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> thankful is a good word. You know, I, I mean, um, I feel like I'm spoiled. You know, again, going back to San Francisco, I um, did a book up there called Generations about the Japanese American experience. And I remember my, they asked me to speak when we unveiled the book. And um, my speech was really short. I said the book took us 1,349 days. Um, to complete, but there was nothing compared to what all the Japanese Americans went through for us, and I thank them for that. Um, I learned a lot about that experience because I never felt it here, you know, post-war. And I learned it. I, I couldn't see myself having my business now being taken away, and my land, my business, everything taken away, and still going to fight for my country. Imagine that. So, you know, when Augie said we're thankful, I'm thankful for the freedom that all the people before us have brought us. Everyone that sacrificed, you know, all the way up to my parents, my grandparents, you know, everyone before us that um, did everything to make our lives better today. And we still complain, right? <laughs> we still complain. Just that. I just was watching this um, 60 minutes. Um, this past weekend about this Chinese artist in China, in Beijing. He's an activist, artist. And he, they asked him, why, um, you know, why are you doing all this? And he said, simple, it's for freedom. And he said, you don't know how important freedom is until you don't have it. Mm -hmm. And I think I take it for granted every day, and I try and remind myself every day that, you know, all the people that they have sacrificed so much to give us this freedom, and I thank them. Me? I gotta say something? <laughs> um, I, I'm someone who always thinks of myself as a Hawaii resident first, um, and an American as well, um, but you know, born and raised, part Native Hawaiian, um, although I've lived in California for uh, college and grad school. Um, I think being an American means, still means, that, um, that you, can, you can achieve through hard work um, and that you have choices, not uh, unlimited choices, but you have choices. Um, my father, um, who was a quarter Hawaiian, was the first in our family to go to college um, and that was huge for him. And I'm just the second, like of all my cousins um, as well. And, um, that's something I'm grateful for every day. And I, knew, I know that my father was all his life, that he had that opportunity, um, and that his hard work led to something. So somebody has a question, right? Question from the audience on your left. Hi, my name is Chanel Myers. Um, I'm born and raised here. Um, and I'm a researcher at UH Manoa. And a lot of the research I do is around this idea of what makes Hawaii so unique. You know, we, I have a lot of research actually supporting all the things that you've said up there about how there's something that's magnetic and unique about Hawaii that's, that's actually manifesting itself in real data that I have that you know we're able to tell if people are local or not, the, these things that you've said. So I'm just curious if you can like pinpoint one thing that you think that really identifies or captures what it means to be local. I'd be really interested to hear as a researcher like what you think that is. Spam musubi. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what spam musubi has done, right? I mean. Joking. I just, <laughs> I, I would just say, 
um, the Aloha spirit, the, the warmth of, of, of the Hawaii people um, being genuine and being inclusive of everyone. You know, our ohana is big. You know, we treat everyone like family, even though we're not related. We call everyone auntie and uncle um, and, you know, brother, sister, you know. And I've kind of taken that with me on the mainland and, you know, called, you know, people auntie and uncle, even though they're not my family and they're not from Hawaii. So they're, they're like, why are you calling me auntie and uncle? <laughs> you know, but I've kind of explained to them that it's just kind of the a Hawaii thing. You know, we, we treat everyone like family and we want everyone to belong and be inclusive. And um, I think that's, I think that's what makes, um, that's what to me is a big part of the Hawaii I, I, identity is that warmth. That we that we give off. I have something that you might be able to research. I've thought about this um, now and then. It's it, it, something that's quantifiable, and maybe um, you could you could enlighten me on. Was it has to do with speech patterns, right? So I grew up in Kailua on Oahu. I went to Catholic school, so I don't, I didn't. I'm not the best pidgin speaker out there, <laughs> but there is something about the way local people talk. And not when I'm trying to talk pigeon, which I can't do. But, but um, my wife, who's from New York, will notice this. If I'm talking to someone in Hawaii or about Hawaii, mm -hmm. I will say, you know, I can talk about Martin Scorsese, Steve Martin, but it's always Martin Pahinui, right? Martin. Um, <laughs> what is that? Where did that come from? And why do I do that? I don't know. Um, but that's how we know we're talking about, you know, Right. It just comes out. Like, I feel yeah, yeah. like my pigeon comes out more when I'm here. And, you know, everyone will, like, my boyfriend would notice it. He'd be like, what did you just say? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, what did I say? I'd be like, you know, I'd just say, ho. Like, oh. just that. That's a whole like, sentence right Like, there. exactly. Ho. Ho, you oh, know, know the kind. <laughs> like, ho, you hungry. What you like eat? Like, I don't know. It just comes out when I'm here. Yeah. But, you know... Just turns off when I, you know, move back to the. Yeah, moment. no, I definitely think it is a pigeon. That's what it. I think. Yeah. You know, the, that, you know, like um, we're talking about plantation days. That's how they communicated, right? That's true. They could, you know, that Japanese Filipino, and the only way we communicated was through like words we made up. You know, that became a language. I the think it's is food. My, my pigeon is frozen at about the poi dog record in oh. like, late <laughs> 80s, right? <laughs> And Hawaii changes, because it's, it's, it's a human thing, and people change, and the language changes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can't, you know. I think somehow the flavor, the food, brings the people back, brings people together. Brings Sugar, people. ginger, and shoyu. Right. Those three things, yeah. We have the next question on your right. Hi, aloha. My name is Kendrick Chang. I'm a junior at the George Washington University, and contrary to advice, I'm heavily involved in the Hawaii club at my... <laughs> you do the haka? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have a question uh, more specifically for Lawrence and Kurt. Um, when you started out your professional careers in the mainland, did you find yourself you know, at a disadvantage, you know, just being far away from home, just adjusting you know, in the mainland, you know, professionally, or even just adjusting to a typical, you know, workplace, you know, on the mainland as it's very different from here back in Hawaii. Uh, dressing up was always a problem, <laughs> you know, shoes, socks, that kind of thing. Um, uh, I don't know that, I mean, I can think the same kind of challenges to meet any young, you know, young man in his 20s trying to make it and, you know, be, it was easier in journalism back then than it is now, but um, I think um, I don't think I had a disadvantage because of the Hawaiianness. Um, but I was lucky, I guess. My, I, I think you know I, I told this story earlier about my instructor at the university, Clem Lagunimau. Day before I was leaving for California, I went up there. I had my shorts, slipper, tank top, sitting there. He asked me, "Yeah, aren't you supposed to be in Hawaii, um, California Art Center?" I said, um, yeah, tomorrow. And he, he just said, he, he went to school in the mail. He said, are, are, you, well, are you scared? And I said, yeah, kind of. I'm confused. And he said, I bet you I'm scared because the way you look, you're going to stand out. And I said, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about it. He said, I bet you you're afraid because the way you dress. 
right? And I said, yes. And then he said, I bet you you're scared because the way you speak. And remember, it's heavy kawaii pigeon back then. <laughs> and I said, yeah, all above. And all he gave me the advice, and I use it to this day, all the way down to when I went to New York, is he said, just be yourself. And I tell him, it resonates. Mm -hmm. You know, it just resonates. Be yourself, dress how you want to dress. Uh, speak how you want to speak. I think that's what makes America great, Hawaii great, actually. Be yourself and be proud of yourself. Yeah. Next question is on your left. Hi, uh, my name is Ben. I'm, uh, I was born in California, raised in California, but uh, I, uh, I'm visiting uh, Hawaii to study at UH Manoa. And my question is, um, some of you were saying how one of the aspects of being um, a local Hawaiian is a sense of cohesion between uh, everyone, regardless of all the ethnic differences uh, that make up Hawaii. And uh, I'm also assuming that even if there is some cohesion, there may be some differences in the individual struggles that each ethnic group might uh, experience in Hawaii. Uh, and um, I'm kind of bringing into mind the, the uh, rates, the high rates of poverty, homelessness, and incarceration for Native Hawaiians, and uh, the growing sovereignty movement. And I was wondering um, if this idea of imagined uh, na uh, independent Hawaii is a part of how you imagine Hawaii, and if so, is that incorporated into what it means to be American, Hawaiian being the quote-unquote strongest sense of identity in America? Okay, you can answer this. That was too long. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let them talk, and then somewhere I'm going to weave my way in and understand the whole question. I know something about independence. <laughs> It does, this is one thing that worried me as a journalist writing about Hawaii, especially the 30 meter telescope, right? Because I've been away for so long, uh, I don't have a sense. I can talk to folks about what the, the, the Native Hawaiian, the sovereignty independence movement is doing, what they're saying, how it plays with, um, with, with the rest of the population here in this very diverse American state, which is, I don't think is going to, in any realistic way, going to break away from, from the country. I, I, I remember growing up, I mean, my, my, my parents uh, met right after World War II, so they grew up in the post-war boom and that the push towards statehood. And they, they remember, I remember them telling me that the joy and the effort and the, the hard work that went into statehood for Hawaii, right? And, and there's that famous picture of that newsboy holding up the, the, the statehood sign with that big gap tooth smile. And that always meant to me what the ideal of this place was. But while we say that and we tell very happy, sentimental stories about our plantation ancestors uh, from Asia and Southeast Asia and, and Portugal and whatever, I'm always aware that that leaves out you know, the original settlers, the native Hawaiians, whose story is very different um, and who gave to all of us this culture, the, 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 the host culture uh, was the one that we were welcome to, our ancestors were welcome to, and that we made something of it. So I, I, I can't answer the question because I, I never felt like I could confidently talk about that so much. I could talk about the protesters on the mountain and the issues they had with science and the telescope, but but I'm, I'm mystified by that, and I wouldn't, it would be very presumptuous of me to, 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 to say something about, you know, the, the, the Kanakamoli folks. And, you know, I'm just a Hapa guy who moved away a long time ago, so. Your final question. Actually, hi, I, my name is Karen Umamoto. I'm a professor in urban regional planning at the uh, University of Hawaii. Uh, but I was actually the advisor for the Hui Oimiloa Hawaii Club at UCLA when I was a student <laughs> affairs officer there, and everything that you said was absolutely true. Um, but one thing that was really interesting at that time, and then since I've come here, my parents were interned in the camps during World War II, and I grew up as a Kotonk on the mainland, so I felt like that discriminatory, you know what I mean, experience on the mainland. Then when I come here, Japanese are in power, and you know what I mean? I, I think I felt more, I don't know, kinship with Hawaiians than I did. Yeah, with fellow Japanese here, it was really an odd thing. But when people say, 
when I go back to the mainland, people say, oh, you're, Hawaii, you're from Hawaii. Oh, you're Hawaiian. I said, no, I'm mm. not Hawaiian. But I know that when you go out, right, when you're on the mainland representing Hawaii, people conflate Hawaii and Hawaiian. And Hawaii identity is very different from Hawaiian identity. And so the question is, what, what, I guess how do you deal with that um, feeling of knowing that you're representing Hawaii, but that a big part of Hawaii and Hawaii's history and Hawaii's future is about Native Hawaiians and the kinds of struggles and, and sovereignty struggles, uh, related struggles that are happening here that are so vibrant and so, so much a part of, of civic life here. How, how do you, and I, and I That's a lot of long question, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, also like to, I'd also like to hear from Lee Cataluna on this, too, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so how do you deal with that feeling or is, is that a contradiction for you? Right? Yeah, we were actually just talking about this uh, backstage and how, you know, whenever we're out on the mainland, you're right. Um, people say, oh, you're from Hawaii, so you're Hawaiian. And I, I want to say yeah, because I don't want to really get into it. But at, but at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, that's an interesting point because I'm from Hawaii, so I want to say I'm Hawaiian, but at the same time, I would, I would not say that I'm Hawaiian here because that means you're Hawaiian blood, right? Um, so it's hard to kind of, you know, of course I have the utmost respect for, you know, the, the, the native Hawaiian people because they have given us the gift of the Hawaiian culture, the ohana, the aloha spirit. Um, so, you know, I still wanna say I'm Hawaiian in the sense of that I'm from Hawaii to everyone, you know, to people on the mainland who can associate that easy, easy, easily. Um, and, you know, just, you know, say that I'm Hawaiian. And I, I think that's fine for me, um, but I wouldn't, you know, classify myself as that here, so. I went to the New York Times in 1993, and they, made no distinctions, so, so their style, their very distinctive style was Hawaiian. On the, on the theory that Hawaiian is like New Yorker or Virginian or Californian, it's someone from Hawaii. Right. So I remember writing these memos to the folks who, who handled the style thing at the New York Times, <laughs> saying there's a distinction because there's people from Hawaii, there's Hawaii residents, there's people who are descendants of the original settlers, and it was, again, too long a point to make, and they said, we don't want to, you know, it's too confusing to our readers. Um, but ultimately, as I guess the awareness of the issue grew or other people who were better writing memos than me made the memos, <laughs> they did change the style. It wasn't my doing. I, I think I put it on their radar a few years ago, but um, a few years back, I think they made the, they made the distinction for those very reasons. Like they, it, 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 looks, it ends up looking increasingly stupid as you, as you write a story about, you know, what the Hawaiians think about this or that, and, and the New York Times doesn't want to look stupid. That's the there. Yeah. 